Any concussion symptoms or mm-hmm. no? Just, yeah. You mentioned a couple times yesterday you were tired and I was. Oh yeah, I was. I was like, do not go to sleep. Maybe you have a concussion. So I suppose we should uh, go ahead and pivot, get started here. Let's Welcome. Welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. I I'm am Ben Oliver. Justin Plant. Well done. Uh, we're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides to practicing effective video for business. We're like the Yoda to your Luke Skywalker. We've never used that. No. Again, I like to mix them up. There for a while. Yeah. I like to mix them up. They're the obvious ones. There's the the less obvious, more obscure, no one's going to get this ones. Well, you have to look them up, and I think that's half the fun. Yeah. Yeah. Tentig Norgay. Yeah. Um, so before jumping into our topic today, a little bit of housekeeping. Our topic today is form follows function, which I might actually mention was recommended to us as a topic. Mm-hmm. By our friends at Uncompany. And um, so, yeah, what a what a perfect time to ask for uh, you to continue to submit your topic ideas, any questions that uh, that you'd like us to answer. Um, I imagine the ways to contact us are probably down here somewhere. Uh, reach out. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. We can do this for an hour at a time. What? Talk. Oh, yeah. About a random topic. Yeah. 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 Throw it throw, at us. Yeah. Give throw us a, a curveball. Why not? Uh, okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm also very excited to announce. Usually we're kind of disappointed when we have to have a new sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm actually really excited about this one, not because it's particularly good, um, but because they were actually. Um, that's true. I may get into We'll have to we'll edit that part out. Well, yeah. Well, and, and that's actually part of So this was actually the third um, sponsor ad ever submitted to us. But hmm. we've been waiting for certain, shall I say, government clearances. Okay. And they've finally come in. Is this alien-oriented? This is this is not directly alien-oriented. Um, but, but we are very excited to welcome, as our new sponsor, the Chernobyl Tourism and Visitors Bureau. Um... You might, you, you might guess what some of the red tape was that they had to go through Mm-mm. to get it all. A, it's a communist joke. Oh, <laughs> that was good. It's the kind of content you can expect from us here at Storyboard Media. Um, so, yes, uh, uh, a long overdue welcome to the Chernobyl Tourism and Visitors Bureau. I am excited to uh, share the They've full spot later times, in the episode. They episodes. are back. They are, they are there. Um, all right. So. Full spot later in the show. Now on to form follows function. Mm -hmm. Nice and alliterative. A nice group of three. Yeah. Let's Let's talk about that for a half an hour. Let's talk about rhetorical devices. I was going to suggest we we stick with the theme of alliteration the entire episode. Okay. Obviously. (laughs) Nope. Not. No? Never. Okay. <laughs> um, God, we're nerds. Um, so, what does that mean? Uh, well, actually, where does it come from? I believe our our friend uh, from Acanthus Construction might actually know this little tidbit, but it comes from the architecture world. Um, so, I've, most people have heard of Frank Lloyd Wright. Mm-hmm. He's a, a very famous modernist, or there's probably a better term for that. 
uh, architect, but um, his sensei, his Yoda, his storyboard media, if you will, um, was a man named Louis Sullivan. Louis? Louis? Louis to his friends. Okay. Uh, Louis Sullivan. Um, he, he kind of... I believe his true friends called him the father of the skyscraper. Yeah. Yeah. Did I say like that? This, is that what they like when they call him up? They're like, yo, is this the father of the skyscraper? Father of the skyscraper. What's up, Louie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, right. I mean, it's, it's tying it all in. You don't want to like, I imagine there are some other people who are like, no, I'm the father. And then Maury came in and he was like, no, Louis, you are the father of the skyscraper. Maury Povich. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a bit on oh, get show, it. Right? Yeah, no, yeah, there yeah. it is. I'm like a step behind it. It must okay. be the head trauma. You know what it is? We're 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 rolling a little bit early because we're so prepared for That's this true. episode in advance. Yeah. Pretty proud of us. Yeah. <clears throat> no touching. No touching. Nope. nope. There's a very thin acrylic separator here that, that's Virtually right invisible. on camera that you can't see. And so it looks like we're touching hands. Um, it looks like we're kissing. <laughs> Uh, finally. Okay. Um, <clears throat> form follows function. So, Lewis. Yes. Talk to me about Lewis. Well, he believed that uh, in order to, uh, I guess maybe in an effort to abandon some of the more traditional architecture, he wanted to he wanted to usher in a new era of, of building buildings, usually commercial, um, where the form, the shape of it, the, the look, all of those things, um, that was only, in, it was based on what the function of that building was. So is this building supposed to fit, you know, 800 desks and be easily accessible and, and have a lot, you know, I don't know. I didn't look too hard <laughs> into it. Perhaps um, you could say that, you know, is this structure supposed to keep people focused on their job uh or is it supposed to be a comfortable space where people can live mm-hmm. um is this about productivity is it about collaboration is it, is it about leisure? manufacturing it about, or yes. office workers or whatever and then build around that design around that which, which seems obvious now to be honest but i mean if you look at i mean heck look at main street durham right here i mean up until this point, this was what the twenties, um, nineteen tens, nineteen twenties. I mean, look at all the buildings that still remain in downtown Durham, and how many old, like historic downtowns there are. Everything looks the same. Mm-hmm. Whether it was a shop, an office, mm-hmm. uh, a store, a, uh, a not a factory, maybe, but you know, some light manufacturing. Well, there was a lot of um, tobacco warehouses, but what, when were those built? Uh, my building was built in eighteen ninety eight. Okay, so pre-Louis. Yeah. Father of Scott Cravers. Louis, Louis. Um, oh. Yeah, so so long story short, Louis Sullivan is the one who actually originally coined the term mm-hmm. form follows function. Um, he made it less alliterative, and so I think the zeitgeist made it more. He had an extra word in there. Oh, did he? The full line here, <clears throat> the full the full quote is, it is the pervading law of all things organic and inorganic, of all things physical and metaphysical, 
of all things human and all things superhuman, of all true manifestations of the head of the heart of the soul, that the life is recognizable in its expression, that form ever follows function. This it is the law. law. Kind of reminds me of I watched Pi this morning. I was up really early. Why on earth would you watch <laughs> Pi to start a day? <laughs> I haven't finished it, but like, just like the the paranoia and the and the math everywhere around you when you pour the creamer in the coffee or blow smoke out your mouth. Am I in for a surprise? Um, I've never finished it. Oh, really? Yeah. No. Well, he just got the chip. Okay. And uh, and started his computer started going again. So All right. That's where I'm at. So form ever follows function. Um, so when we, when we were kind of getting ready for this, we 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 were kind of looking up some real world. Examples. It started with just buildings, to, right? To, yeah, it started with buildings. But you know, when you think about it, it's really all around us. And the most obvious example to me, well, I think that actually says it perfectly. The most obvious example to me is like sailing, like competitive sailing yachts. Mm-hmm. You brought like up the America's the Cup. America's Cup. If you haven't watched the America's Cup in the last eight or ten years, they is that have, when that rap, when that I think it so was. I, I think it was um, because I remember, I remember like in the late ninety, mid late nineties, the America's Cups. They were still sailing on what we would recognize as a yacht. It mm-hmm. it has you know a hull and a cabin, and I'm sure that you know there weren't like you know there wasn't like a galley and yeah. you know yeah. staterooms and whatever in there. Um, but, but it looked like a sailing yacht that would be in a marina in any like or a port kid's city toy, that you would, like, yeah. yeah, they're all the, the boat. And, but if you look now, they look nothing like the, like you could not sail this from San Francisco to Seattle to go on like a nice it wouldn't little, be comfy. no, um, uh, because there's no inside. Yeah. So it's essentially two like pontoons connected by some carbon fiber and some netting. And then, whenever possible, the only part of the boat that's actually in the Imagine water at certain speeds are these like fin things with hooks, and so it's a radical change of drag. Because of course, sailing, and one of the cool things about sailing, I think, is that it really is just physics, right? It, it's about it's about air pressure and friction, basically. And so the more, you, you know, if you can't control the wind, then what you can control is your drag coefficient. Mm-hmm. How, how, how much energy is being, how much of your kinetic energy is being dissipated in, yeah. you know, the water bumping up against your boat. So they got narrower and narrower and narrower. And now they are just these, I mean, when they are going at full speed, they have maybe two feet by four inches in the water. It is on a blade and the pontoons are actually elevated out of the water when they're at full speed. It looks like a catamaran, right? It looks like a catamaran. Yeah. So imagine how little drag there is. But there was just this and there was nothing in the rules. Right? There was just this evolution of somebody all of a sudden said, Well, if we're gonna race sailing ships, why not redesign the sailing ship to do this? And it was a fundamental change. Um well, it's freezing in here, but I'm sweating. I don't know what it is. Are you nervous because of our impending kiss? <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Just got out of the shower. Mm, yeah, that could be it. Sorry, you were uh, you were saying something smart. I was, but you know, 
I'm trying to look for the name of this type of boat. It's I was just nerding, fascinating. I was you have to look out it up. on competitive sailing outs. Um, competitive. How about America's Cup? It's the names of the boats. Well, you can do this on your own. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, if, if I go back to, to, to Louis's full quote, like he's talking about things organic and inorganic. Mm-hmm. So also it occurred to me that like, you know, the, the spiral shape, you know, like, like in shells and, and mm-hmm. things like the, like the chamber or like, or like the, the hexagonal honeycomb, mm-hmm. right? Like those are all primarily decisions because increased surface area mm-hmm. or, or fluid dynamics or what, but that's nature evolving to a point where it becomes its most efficient. Right. And so I, to- I, I can see how if you, I mean, you know, an architect studying those kinds of things, you can start to see those mm-hmm. kinds of patterns. Um, and so, you know, it's, 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 but it's one thing to see it in like a physical space. I think our challenge today is to adapt it to creative, to something creative. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that's, that's, that's another big point that, that, well, maybe not a big point. Um, another point that I've thought of since we talked about this yesterday is that, you know, I I tend to believe, and I've said it many times on the podcast, that that creativity is is something that really can't be taught. You can teach someone probably to be more creative by pushing practiced. their boundaries, but yeah. but like there has to be a, a core piece of creativity. And so when we talk about hiring for your team, those kinds of things, there has to be someone who's got that that kind of innate creative ability. Mm-hmm. But to me, this is one of those ways that someone who who is kind of innately creative, but maybe doesn't exercise it a lot, can really try to exercise that creativity. This is someone who maybe if they're stuck with no one on their team mm-hmm. who is creative, can actually take kind of a strategic look and end up with something that more creatively suits the scenario mm-hmm. than, oh, this is just the type of video I, I know that can be made. Yep. Um, I think I think so often we get that you get that initial email or phone call or form submission where somebody's actually got it to the point where they say, I need an animated video. Mm-hmm. I need a product demo. Yeah. Uh, I, well, maybe product demo isn't even that specific, no, that's but purpose driven. Yeah. But, but you're right. That happens all the time. And I, I mean, what's your reaction to that? Is it? Yeah. Here's what we can do for an animated video. Never. I mean, not really. I try and back it up and really understand what they're trying to do. Um, and, and just try and sort out the assumptions that are, that are baked into something like that. Um, cause it could be as simple as their boss said, go make a video like this. Yeah. Like this one over here. And, uh, and so that was animated and they're like, well, I need a two minute animated video. Um, and that's, that's completely against the father of skyscrapers and his belief. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if you think about it, Louis, Louis, Louis Sullivan was probably one of the original three wise men. Mm, it's a callback. It is a callback. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that makes sense. Like why, why this shape or why, um, why six stories or, you know, asking all those whys um, does help you get to the, the foundation of, of what you really need. And that's based on your purpose. Um, so let's walk through 
um, what one of those conversations might be like. So if I said to you, um, hey, Justin, uh, found your website. Um, you guys do some good looking work. Um, I need an animated video. Mm-hmm. Can I get a quote for that? Um, let's back up for a little bit here and, and help me figure out what you're trying to do. Tell me, tell me about the project. What do you, you know, what's happening? Oh, um, uh, I just want to uh, make sure that um, that uh, we have a hard time converting people from like interested to actually buying. Okay. So I want to make sure that that you know we're giving them that information they need because uh, it's just for some reason they just kind of seem to drop off at that point. Okay. Why do you think they're dropping off? Um, well, from what I'm hearing from my sales manager, it's. Um, that they probably they're they're oftentimes asking for, um, you know, uh, case studies or other companies that have used our product before, uh, and so I just you know I just want to show how to use our product. But um, now that I hear myself say it out loud, maybe it's not about how to use the product. Maybe it's more about sharing other people's experiences with the product. Okay, why do you think that's important? Well, I've been doing a little bit of research into the, uh, you know, early adopters thing, mm-hmm. and and we've kind of got all of our early adopters on board, but we're trying to expand. We just mm-hmm. raised uh, a Series A, and so we're going from our baseline customers to, you know, now we have this mandate to be at, you know, thirty six hundred active users mm-hmm. in six months, mm-hmm. or we don't get our Series B from those same investors. Right. So we're under a lot of pressure to go from the people who. You know, we're willing to work with us early to people who, you know, I guess, you know, need need more proof that it works before they buy. Okay, great. Well, congratulations on the Series A. Um, why do you think video can help? Um, well, at my last company, we we used it a, a decent amount. We did a bunch of animated videos there. Um, that was a uh, you know a. a consumer packaged goods company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that in the tech space, uh, this is a little different because we're not selling to regular people. We're selling to, <laughs> to other businesses. Um, I'm largely informed about marketing. I just don't apply it to my own company very well. <laughs> um, this would be like your almost dream scenario. Yeah. Here. <laughs> like answers this helpful. Um, I don't know. Why do you ask? Um. How, how long do you want to keep going? I mean, I think we're getting to a point, and, and then I suppose you could probably, I mean, this just takes me back to my sales days. I suppose you could ask, was like, well, are you open to something that isn't animated? Yeah. You know, yeah. Or something like that. But, but even that, I mean, even that kind of walking through, like, you know, just it's that digging. Start to find the problem. Getting to that, it's getting to the function, mm-hmm. right? Which we always refer to as purpose. Yeah. Right? That's like number one of the manifesto. Um, the it's it's about it's about having that thing that you need this video to do, um, and from there, one of the things that you get to figure out is what type of video should this be? How does mm-hmm. it look? How does it sound? How does mm-hmm. it feel? Um, that is the simplest explanation of of form following function. If I lead with animation. Mm-hmm. That's the form leading function. Right. And that's not alliterative. <laughs> um, and um, now I'm trying to make it alliterative, but that'll confuse yeah. people. Um, 
yes, the train is like change direction. Um, Something that trains can't really do. <laughs> speaking of form following function. Um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Train of thought. You, Ben. <laughs> um, no, I really did lose my train of thought, though. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so back to the purpose. Like, understanding what your purpose of your video is. And, and it, it's not always just, I mean, per, purpose alone isn't going to help oh, you. Oh, train of thought. I get. Sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> 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 Yes. No, no we were on alone, purpose. Yeah. Purpose alone isn't going to tell you should this be animated or should this be right. uh, live action or should it be even video. Like that's maybe not. Uh, that's just where you need to start. You need to understand that so that you can start to answer some other questions. Answering other questions. Basically, so basically, we're getting at that strategic level uh, of our of the seven phases mm-hmm. of practicing effective video, um, which is. is building out your strategy. So there are a lot of, there are several other elements that are going to help guide you to the right decision. And it's, it's beyond just animate or live action. It's, is this funny? Is it short? Is it long? Is it serious? Is it demo? Is it whatever? I think there's an opportunity for us to, to distill the, the, the strategic phase down to a win without pitching type positioning exercise go on i think we could so when i think about the words that we use in our process and the manifesto in in the fundamentals of creating video for business the most important thing is your purpose and and purpose is is a very specifically selected word when we go through our springboards with clients, regardless of, of the level, whether we're doing it at the beginning of, of a one-off project or or one of the full company deep dives, nowhere in those categories of things that we discuss is the word purpose. We've actually distilled purpose down into goals, mm-hmm. audience, channels. And what occurs to me is we could probably create a Mad Libs type type exercise where when we talk about your goals, your audience and your, and and your channels, we then get a purpose statement for the video. Yeah. It's all of those things combined. So, So just like when without pitching says we do this for these people. Oh, positioning. Right. Now I see where you're going. Yeah. We do blank for blank. Okay. We could, we could reframe the we could we could combine and distill the goals, the audience, the channels. This video into, will this video will do this for these for people these people in these ways on these yeah. yes yeah. Uh, uh, you know in these places. Yep. This video will um, get CTOs to sign up for product demos through a landing page, which people are driven to through a video campaign, Mm pre-roll campaign Mm -hmm. or something like that. That to me is a purpose statement. Mm -hmm. And that to me is less talking to our podcast audience than it is about something I think we could develop. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, it's both like, in fact, let's pretend that was planned and that's something that we do. That's what I would do. What, what is the ultimate goal of this video? 
what is the audience that we're speaking to and what do we want them to and you know where are they going to who's the audience what do we want them to do and where are they going to do it mm-hmm. basically and then you have your purpose statement mm-hmm. we want these people to do this here mm-hmm. then you get to move into all of the other phases which we always just refer to as executing that plan mm-hmm. so if we want well because that you, creative hasn't even happened yet right so the, and it, it shouldn't no um, until that is defined um, and creative isn't even necessarily part of strategy it's a it's an element of pre-production yeah yeah it's it's like once you have your strategic purpose then you start to figure out well how do I creatively I, yeah execute that yeah um, what were you gonna say I was searching for the I was searching for the word okay. and execute totally works how do I achieve that purpose how do I um, you know, fulfill that purpose. Um, because that, that, and, and in that distilled form, I, I mean, print it out on a piece of paper and, and put it up on, you know, a bulletin board or something. Like, put it on your cubicle, put it on your whiteboard, like, just have it there so that at any point in the remaining process, from what type of video should this be, who should we cast, um, what parameters should we set in our promo campaign Mm -hmm. like at any of those decision points you get to look up at that main purpose and say well which of these options that i have in front of me best serves that purpose Mm -hmm. and and i mean that to me it it goes back to i have always thought so i mean we've talked about my musical background but i get into music early um, and, and I always kind of saw creativity as, and I think this is just how my brain works too. I have a very analytical brain, which doesn't necessarily lend itself to creativity, but I always saw creativity as an almost infinite number of choices in front of you at, at various like forks in the road. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for, for music, um, you know, what chord progression do I want to start with? Right. What, what or what key do I want to be in? Like what, you know, am I going to go with minor chords or major chords? Because, right. And so like, and then that builds on itself. And then, you know, what did the drums sound like? Beats and per minute. Do, do the, you know, does the bass follow the roots or does the bass do its own kind of walking? Like there are all of these creative decisions that oftentimes are, are, aren't necessarily deliberately decided. You sure. just kind of go through with muscle memory and things like that. And you try things. And then something just kind of feels right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big part of creativity. But always seeing creativity as these decisions that you have to make. And the more that you know what you're trying to get at, the easier it is to make those decisions. And so maybe with a video, there aren't infinite options in front of you. But if there's animated or live action in front that's of you. That's one of your decisions. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you go back to our to our little role play thing. Um, no, not that kind of role play. Um, if you go back to our little role play thing, you know, if I'm talking, if I, as the, as the prospect was talking about like social proof Mm -hmm. and, and how other companies have used this, then that's something where I'm probably going to feature actual users. And if I'm doing that, then, then I probably want those, the viewer to make some kind of connection Mm -hmm. with that user so that they can see themselves in that user. Mm -hmm. So is it easier to make for an audience member to see themselves in something in someone else's experience when they actually see that person or when they see like an animated avatar of that Mm -hmm. person? And 
Well, I, I would argue that it's better to see the actual person and see all of the nonverbal cues when they're talking about how they use this and how it's helped them and, and, and all of those things. Because those are the things that I want to aspire to. That's what I'm trying to get out mm-hmm. of this. So, so to me, then that says, okay, well, at least we're going to do live action over animated mm-hmm. because I want to see actual yep. people. Now we're going to do scripted or non-scripted. Right. Okay. Well, do I want to come up with maybe maybe because I'm early on, maybe before the Series A, they didn't have enough customers. So maybe then they know what their kind of ideal customer is and they could script that. Mm-hmm. But still they're going to use actual people to mm-hmm. represent those things yep. and actors to express those nonverbals. Yep. Or maybe they've got a decent customer base. One of the interesting things that we've talked and about a willing before. Customer base. Exactly is with the law of diffusion of innovation, it's those early adopters who want the credit for taking the risk. Mm-hmm. So you've got the people who want to take credit for taking the risk have adopted your platform just before the next group of people who are the people who aren't quite as willing to take the risk, but they're willing to take a risk if they see that it's worked for some other people. Mm-hmm. So you've got what your next group of customers needs immediately following the group of customers who need to be seen mm-hmm. as innovators, yep. risk takers, whatever. Um, and then you could probably go all the way down the line to, you know, which platforms do we want this, right? Mm-hmm. Again, maybe, you know, okay, well, where are we going to put our promotion money? Well, it's right there in our, maybe it's not right there in our purpose statement. We want, you know, um, CTOs to sign up for a demo on our landing page. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we got to get people to the landing, landing page. page. So where do we know CTOs are consuming yep. information and where can we put this content in front of them that can drive them to that landing page? Mm-hmm. It's not, well, we have an email list and we're on Facebook and we're whatever. It doesn't really matter where you are. Right. Where's the audience? And then all of a sudden that list of possible places to promote is down to like two or three. And then you get to figure out, you know, where you want to What are the parameters there? Yeah. Um, And that, that, yeah, that eventually leads you to a, like, the creativity may come in, may show up more in some of the writing and the shooting and the costumes or whatever it is. But, but you've, you've continued to make, more secure and better decisions for your for that video along the way by defining that purpose first. It also, I, I think there's, and maybe there's another episode here. We've talked in some of our er, really busy train traffic this morning. Like and to you. Um, I, I think we've talked before in some of our early episodes about like the quickest ways to come up with a strategy. And one of one of the things that that I've always kind of got in the back of my mind is is just map map the buyer's journey. Um these are my top three personas. Mm-hmm. These are the journeys that they take to get from unaware to customers. Mm-hmm. And then what questions are they asking? along the way yeah that's that flip that question around into an answer mm-hmm. and and that gives you the beginnings of a purpose for a piece Give me of an example content. so your question is um our uh jerry persona 
who represents CTOs, just to kind of keep the same sure. Sure. example going. Um, when he gets to the consideration phase, needs to know who else has benefited from using has this, this product. Has this worked for other people? Uh, yes. Who has this worked for? Or has this worked for other people? How are other people using it? Those could even be three separate questions. Yeah. Right? Why do other people use it? How do other people use it? What is it that people are using the what most? What did they get? Yeah. That could be three different videos yeah. right there. But the, the point of the exercise is to go through and map out all of the questions that they need answered. Your job as a marketer or salesperson, depending on company, depending on funnel, whatever, is to answer those questions. Guide for them, them to the right decision. And your job, as I think all of us know, is not to tell them what they want to hear, but it's to honestly answer that question. Mm -hmm. And then they get to decide whether it's a good fit or not, right? Mm -hmm. The ideal marketing and sales scenario is that you're just finding someone who your solution to their problem is the best solution for them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so going through that exercise of mapping out those questions gives you, forget video. I mean, that just gives you your content map, right? Yep. We need content that answer these yep. questions, answers these questions. And that, I mean, you could even extend it. I mean, we are a video agency, so I don't want to speak too much to general content, but, you know, back it up a step. Now, which of this content is best served as video? Which of this content is best served as a white paper, as a blog mm -hmm. post, whatever? That form should follow that function, right? Yeah. Like, there's some stuff that that is just so necessarily detail-driven that it has to be in a white paper, and somebody needs to read a 25-page detailed analysis of XYZ, that you would never put that in a video because nobody wants, to, like, the people who need that information really need to pour over that information. And and video isn't a great format for that, yeah. like, super detailed, yep. like, take your time with, with the numbers. People read those things, like, they read it all the way through, and then they bounce around four or five times. Um, so... So, yeah, I mean, from a content perspective, like, you know, what's the function of the answer to this question and then which piece of content is right? And then when you choose video is right, which type of video? Damn, it's a good thing we have a types of video series that, that people can go listen to mm -hmm. and, you know, understand some of the advantages yep. um, and use cases. Um, yeah. That was just, I knew we were going to meander around a little bit, but that was a fun <laughs> first half. Yeah. Um, is it time to hear from our sponsor? Yeah. So you've kind of been doing a lot of the talking. So I think we're going to go to you for the sponsor on this one. Do you want to read the spot? So, so you mean a standard episode? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll take this one. My vocals are warm all up. warmed up. Um, and you have a head trauma, so... Do feel a little out of it today, and, and you have to be very. Again, I, I mentioned that there was certain governmental red tape uh, that this ad had to go through, and uh, so we got to read it word for word. I don't want to get in trouble mm -hmm. with the mm -hmm. Russian government. Is it in Cyrillic? Um, it's uh, what I'm seeing is is in is Russian, in I mean you know standard American okay. letters. Okay, that's what they're called, right? American letters. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> what are they? Um, I don't know, cardinal, hmm. imperial. I don't know. Um, Non-Cyrillic. The Chernobyl Tourism and Visitors Bureau. Forget about Chernobyl and welcome to Sure Yes Bill. 
Visit our interactive website and plan your trip today. Then, visit us in 3,000 to 20,000 years. But not now. Please don't actually come and stay here until another 3,000 to 20,000 years have passed. We cannot stress that enough. Chernobyl. What happens in Chernobyl spreads throughout Eastern Europe and has a half-life of 180 to 320 years. Chernobyl. That was nice. It's just kind of like a, a good reminder. Yeah. We're, we're, we're here. It's got a lot to offer. Don't forget about us. Booming metropolis. Is it? Was. Mm. <laughs> was. Uh, frozen in time. Yeah. Um, but for the love of God, do not spend more than six or eight hours at a time there. Now. <laughs> what could, what would you do in the six hours? Uh, there's a Ferris wheel. Okay. Um, in operation? Uh, I do not think it is an operation. Okay. You can look at it. You can look at it. Um, everything there's kind of creepy cause it's, it's frozen. Like they evacuated quickly. Like, <laughs> I mean, it took them like two weeks to evacuate everyone, but then they pulled buses in and like everybody left. So there's, like, teddy bears and, like, classrooms just, like, in the middle of a class where everybody just got pulled out of the classroom. So it is mm. it is just kind of frozen. And picturesque. It's, and it's, it's picturesque. It's a little dusty. Mm-hmm. Um, radioactive dust at mm. that. Um, so don't go kicking that around and, no, and, and breathing that in. Do not do not snort lines of the dust okay. in Chernobyl. Good. Uh, lots of wolves and bears. Is that I right? I understand. I think it's largely wolf been bears? taken over. But wolf bears. Um, yeah, Russian wolf bears ukrainian mm-hmm. I, I guess it's actually in ukraine um oh so russia just got the f out of there uh yes after the berlin wall wall fell um uh actually i believe russia is slowly trying to take ukraine yeah, back been... but that's a that's a political <laughs> conversation we should probably avoid um yeah so i you know it, it's just exciting to i think what they were doing um, you know, if I look at the original date of when they submitted this copy to us and we're like, as soon as we get government approval, you can read this. I feel like they were kind of leveraging the popularity of the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Yeah. And it was just kind of back, you know, they were relevant again. And so they really wanted to double down, um, on, on that kind of awareness and really book out their visitors for 3000 oh, to 20,000. God years help them. I mean, like it's not, I can't imagine what their budget is looking like, but it's not cheap to advertise on our podcast. No, it's it's some of the smartest less. people in the world are listening to this right yeah. now, and like that's you. a that's a high highly valuable audience. Yeah, and and they probably put every penny or whatever rubble or uh, rubble, <laughs> no rubble. <laughs> All right, Chernobyl. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do they What do they use over there? Rubble, dusty radioactive rubble. <laughs> <laughs> Pile of rocks. Uh, um, but yeah, we we truly thank them for participating in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we have a second half of the episode? Um, we have. It's not really like a use case. There are some examples of situations where just to maybe help show or illustrate what what actually happened and what uh, came out of it. I think we've got potentially one client-related use case that worked out well and one that maybe is an example of, of why form should follow function. Uh, 
first one is well, we are not the uh, the kind of people who like to tout award winning filmmakers or that kind of thing. We've only ever we only ever apply for awards when it's the Vidyard Video Business Awards because that's based on results and free. Is, is yeah. But um, because it's based on results, not, ooh, this was fun. Yeah. It's not to pat ourselves on the back. It, well, I guess it still, it still kind of is. But anyhow. Uh, but yeah, so we won a couple awards for this one. This is a really fun series. The client came to us and said they wanted three animated, like two-minute-ish animated explainer videos. and Which we could do. Yeah. Yeah, starting there is a is is tough for us. So we we did what we do because the old storyboard media six years ago would have said, "Okay, let's get in, let's yeah. get into it." You got scripts? Yeah, <laughs> great. Um, but but that didn't. I mean, there wasn't enough for us to to kind of do our our job. So um, we took them through our strategic process, this the springboard. Uh, we did, was that a, was that a six week? I think back then it was six weeks. Always yeah. different. Um, but spent six weeks interviewing uh, members of his team, uh, interviewing some some clients, um, kind of doing our own research because it was about AI and, and search, enterprise search, and things that we really didn't know much about, and uh, realized a lot of other people don't either. Very um, technical stuff. Very technical stuff. So we had to sort our way through all of that. And uh, what happened? We uh, There's a case study where you can kind of get into the, some of the details, but uh, figured out that animation had absolutely nothing to, to do with it. He just thought because it was difficult concepts and it's hard to show AI. And, and that's, I mean, I get that a lot of people have that instinct. That's not yeah. necessarily a bad instinct to have, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, it can be hard to film AI. So, uh, so he went straight to animation. But um, in the end, we wanted to we wanted to appeal to people. Uh, it, like, yeah, I mean, as, as I recall it, the key turning point was was when we identified that we wanted to, for lack of a better term, dumb the technology down. To where someone in the C-suite could understand it. But we knew that we were going to be getting to the C-suite through the technical people. So we knew it had to be technically accurate, but accessible to a less technical audience. Mm-hmm. And, and and as I recall, that's where the whole thing turned. What do you recall that, that Andy wanted to do with these three explainer videos in the, in the early phases? When did you kind of get down to that? You mean before, like before the sale? Or, yeah, like well, when he, when he first came, like like you know, he he said he reached out and he said, "Hey, you know, I, I remember it being specific enough that it was like, hey, we got you know three or whatever animated mm-hmm. explainer videos. You know, can I get a quote for those? Mm-hmm. I'm reasonably certain that was like the exact email or phone yeah. call. Yeah, yeah, pretty but short. As you kind of went through like the role play that we did earlier. What do you recall of, of kind of that, like, well, hmm, I'm not sure. Like, where was the moment where it was like, I'm not sure animated is. And, and maybe that was during the springboard. Maybe that was well, in the pre-sale process. Yeah, I think it was leading up to the springboard. Because I think you were involved in some of these conversations, too. Yeah. Um, we used to do that a lot more together. Um, but 
I remember asking enough questions, <laughs> uh, asking enough questions before we sent a quote um, to say, well, I think we need to kind of go through some of the, the paces here and really figure out what we're trying to do. Um, and so that's why we do the springboard because mm-hmm. a lot of times the we, we need to define that purpose. We need to define our audience and we need to better understand so creatively we can come up with the right concepts for for that that purpose. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, in its simplest form, I think that's the value we bring to our clients is, is we, I mean, it's kind of a yes and approach. Like, yes, we can totally do that for you. And, I was going to say but, <laughs> and uh, before we do, we'd like to, you know, make sure that this is the best approach for this. Mm-hmm. So let's go through our kind of standardized process and, yep. and you know, see if there's any opportunity to, to shake take a out approach yeah. or whatever. Yeah. To shake out what we're really, what we're really trying to do here and, and, and make sure that we're getting the most for our money. In the, in and, the- and, 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 and often, I was going to say occasionally, but oftentimes, um, more and more, our clients have thought through that. And so yeah. they're able to present us with that information instead of us having yeah. to kind of pull it out. I think that's one of the great things that we've seen over the last couple of years. And I'd go so far as to say maybe that's what a lot of people did during the first three or four months of, of lockdown was to, because they couldn't make anything. They probably yeah. just thought more because I think we're having conversations now where people are actually more prepared strategically. Uh, videos that do this. Well, and I think right? with 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 financial uncertainty, people want to think through things a little bit more instead of just saying, yeah, go make three animated videos. It's, well, what are we really trying to do here? And as this whole world of B2B video continues to evolve, I think people are, are going to be more used to applying the principles that they, they do for other marketing strategy mm-hmm. to video. But video is just so new. It was like, make video, make video. And now I think people are are starting to think about it a little bit more. Uh, I mean, we have put out forty episodes, so sure. I'm sure they've listened to at least half. Um, let's uh, let's talk about the next one that we've got on here. How do you, how do we want to well, no, no, hold on? Oh, okay. so, so let me so um, so during the springboard we 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 uncovered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so during the springboard we uncovered. Help me help you. Um, I think part of it was the audience conversation too. Is that is that the audience was the audience Mul- multiple was that people? It was multiple people, and and then it, it kind of came down to like, so is it fair to say that that the intended audience is C suite, but the conduit through which we get to those people yeah. are the more technical. It was almost like. Uh, uh, part of our audience is our channel, right? So the, 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 the kind of the doers, the, the, the people who press all the keys and do all the, the whatever, they need to understand how some of this is, you know, how some of this is going to work inside their company. How is this going to integrate with what we do? Does the, does it fit? And that, I mean, that's their job is to figure that stuff out. So the, the decision maker, the ultimate decision maker can say, all right, you like it, you like it, you like it, it checks. Let's go ahead and do it. And I think there's just something fundamentally with like AI powered enterprise search that it's it's not an apparent problem that a lot of C-suite people are trying to fix. Like it's something that makes you better, operate yeah, better, but it's uh, new or whatever. But it's not something where it's like 
it, it, it's hard to get people to understand. It's harder to get people to understand that there's a problem because they aren't using AI mm-hmm. in their enterprise mm-hmm. search. Um, because it's something that's new and they've just never had it before. And the the technical people that are involved, they know it's important to bring this in, but the the decision maker, yeah, um, even if it is a consensus sale in some ways, it's a consensus because these people are trying to bring solutions up top. Um, so we knew that we needed to, to do a very educational series, but we w- didn't want it to come across as salesy. We just wanted to say, here's opportunities that you might be missing as a company. Um, and so we we built a, a, a YouTube channel that was loosely branded. Um, and it, it Lucidly branded. Lucidly branded. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so it wasn't their, their actual company YouTube page. It was a... Um, it, an associated page. Well, it was the Lucid Thoughts YouTube powered channel by Lucid powered Works. by LucidWorks. Um, and so, we, yeah, we brought in uh, an actor to kind of talk through and kind of humanize some of this technical, strange stuff. Um, and then we also, we did our mix of animation. So we did a green screen and brought in animation where it was necessary to describe certain uh, difficult and technical things um, and, and also added some elements of humor to try and liven up a very dry topic. Am I remembering right also that we kind of figured out that it was, it was that, that kind of almost like pre-awareness part because when we got down to like specific goals, I seem to recall that they just needed more in the pipeline, right? We talked about yeah. what, what yeah. is, what is it that we really need to do here? Is it right. to get? Is it to get more of the people who get into the to the funnel all the way down? Is it get is there a point where they're stopping? And I think it was a pretty confident answer. It's like, no, 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 no. I need more people in the funnel. That's right, because we were talking to the lead gen guy a lot. Yeah. And and I think and so I think that that's important too, because that then tells you that you're on a thing where your your call to action is not sign up for a demo. Right. Right? You're you're so top of funnel. It's not even quite a brand awareness thing. It's the like, you're missing an opportunity. Again, going back to the problem thing. It's not even so much that like you have a problem, we have a solution. It's just like, here's what's possible. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was, it was all those kinds of things that got us to like, this should be very lightly branded, right? This should be an educational resource as opposed mm-hmm. to a sales resource. I think that's what you were saying. Um, the CTA is, you know, watch more and subscribe uh, uh, to the channel Mm -hmm. as opposed to check out our site or whatever. We never mentioned any of their products in any of this stuff. And that was all very deliberate. Mentioned solutions to problems, but not a LucidWorks solution. It was basically like, how does what we do help you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we know because we do this thing, but like we want you to have this information so that you can start to understand that there's an opportunity for you because you were the brand then that helped enlighten them to that. Then you kind of have this leg up over everyone mm-hmm. else in your yep. space. You're the expert because you're the expert. And then they drop into the funnel. And then I think there was a confidence there that they had enough content. They have a, they had a wide variety of content mm-hmm. inside the organization, inside the funnel yep. and inside the organization already where they could get people through. They just needed to fill the funnel. And so our, our call to action wasn't sign up for a demo. It was subscribe. Mm-hmm. 
and we brought and we brought them over a thousand subscribers just by just through this this fun educational platform. And I mean, when you think about it, enterprise search powered by AI is pretty niche. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the thousand subscribers is there's only so many companies who are going to be looking into potential. Yeah, yeah. So thousand subscribers in that case is pretty impressive, mm-hmm. um, given how small an audience there really is there. Um, okay, cool. I I think we've also got an experience where one of our clients read form follows function backwards. Uh, there was a, I mean, they, I think there were a lot of purposes and there was like, that was a, a part of it. They didn't know what the function was. They just went for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to <clears throat> give them a lot of, so let's, let's provide a little bit of context. One of our clients, um, in fact, I think our best client um, had had essentially put together a a contest for their sales team mm-hmm. to um, you know to to kind of involve the sales team in some marketing efforts to mm-hmm. to engage them to to um, generate some ideas generate some ideas increase that Which kind of marketing I think it's and sales. super smart. Because yes. salespeople are on the ground and they they yeah. know what people are asking, so that's a great yeah. That's a, and and in this particular organization, I think historically the sales department has has kind of well, I don't want to use the wrong words here has kind of seen the marketing department as their like in house make me what I need yeah kind of department make me a PowerPoint as as opposed to marketing saying you know here's here's the content you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so, you know, really like the approach of, of involving the salespeople and, and making them a part of that process and understanding what their ideas were and, and to make it so that they actually got some engagement. What they did was they made it a contest as to which salesperson or salespeople could make the best viral video for their company. And I think that's maybe where it went off the rails because the, the, if you're engaging sales to because they have their feet on the ground or your you know ears on the phone with all the different uh, prospects and whatnot, they know what the prospects want and need and don't have. Mm-hmm. But then they said make something viral, which is not answer question yeah, answer. I mean, j- just to nitpick, I think the mistake was like a half step later. I think. I think if you asked your sales team, I think if they asked their sales team to send them video ideas, they would have gotten zero response. Mm-hmm. I think they, from 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 yeah, what I know about this this client, I think they had to make it something that was going to be fun mm-hmm. and engaging. And I seem to recall that it was also a contest that was announced at like their regional or like kick national off. sales kickoff yeah. or something like that. So so. I think I think the the mistake was then in in the ex setting the expectation that whichever one wins the contest will be made into a professionally produced a professionally piece. produced version of that viral video. Yeah. Um wasn't so it also- I think there was tremendous value in the contest and mm-hmm. the exercise yep. and I think they got engagement that they didn't expect to get. Yeah, they had a, <laughs> some of the videos were pretty fun. Yes. Yes. 
And so I think that worked to that point. Mm -hmm. Now, the mistake that was made may have very well been asking us to then make the professional version. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, what do we do? We ask too many questions. (laughs) And and so it it did. So there was. So, I, I mean, like. You know, the curve of this whole thing was like, you know, fantastic idea, right? Great engagement, Mm -hmm. like fun ideas. And then let's make it into something real. And we're like, okay, this is cool. And then we're like, so maybe we need to, but why is the, well, that doesn't really, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, but then once we got all of that down to what do we really need here, all of a sudden then we were able to come up with, with a fit. Yeah. Was it directly, when that stuff is done, Will you be able to see any of those viral video submissions influence that? No, but can you draw a direct line? Yes, because we have a paper trail. It because we have a paper because we got a whole bunch of presentation decks and meetings with the client where <clears throat> we did do it step by step. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know, I also appreciate that they gave us the flexibility mm-hmm. to say, you know, don't just don't just make a professional version of our winner here. Um, how. You know, what other ideas would you guys come up with that, you know, are inspired? Ha- by yeah, these exactly. Things? That's kind of what it became. And so there there were some threads. And but the reason that none of that stuff ever got greenlit was because it, it didn't follow any real function mm-hmm. other than making the thing and engaging the salespeople and engaging and that, the salespeople. And if that was that it's if that was the the function or the purpose of these videos. Then it still that would have worked. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's maybe what I would do differently. Is is yes, we're totally going to take the winner and we're going to make this yep. thing, um, because it's the important resolution of this outreach campaign yeah. that marketing has had with sales. Yep, and so it needs to come to. It can't be an empty promise. Yeah, and and also. Because this has ultimately inspired us to and and driven us to find that that this is what we really need. Here's let's a put thing some effort into we need to do that. also mm-hmm. and 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 so you know I think I don't I don't recall whether we made it in either or or they made it in either or I imagine it was just at the table together we were like all right let's forget about mm-hmm. you know the the sales video you know the sales video contest kind of thing. Because there was what we found through that process, but I fi- I find that a lot of times too is is that we force our clients to, and I'm not trying to sell us, but but because we ask these questions and we take this approach, we force our clients to come together as a group, like their little internal teams, mm-hmm. and talk about these things, mm-hmm. and and they so rarely actually take the time to talk about these things together. And I'm perfectly happy being there as a facilitator to to prompt the questions, to get that discussion happening, and, and we get to kind of nudge and lead. We've seen a lot of light bulb moments in those meetings. Yes, yes. And, and, and I think, I mean, from a sales standpoint, that's fine. I mean, that, that, that's actually more exciting. Like, don't – and I've said this for years. I think, I think our potential prospects spend too much time thinking that they have to come to us with. Mm-hmm. A script, a script, a, a treatment, a whatever. Come to us with the problem, the opportunity, mm-hmm. and then let's let's all get together and just start talking to. It. We've got a framework in place where we'll get to where we need to go. 
but so often it's just the like and you know and they kind of start off like well you know i admit we haven't really talked about this we'll have to take this offline and we're like well we don't have to take it offline let's talk about it right now you know or Mm -hmm. or whatever and so uh you know that that's i'm happy to be the facilitator of that if that's all all we are and i mean you know and maybe that's the yoda part of all of this right is that we just get to you know guide guide Mm -hmm. those conversations instead of dictate those conversations but ultimately we we then get to what is it we're really trying to do here Mm -hmm. and then that helps us make what they need and you and, and you can do that without us right i mean that's why we do the podcast we're trying to give you all these things to do yourself so that you don't need us but i don't know that's in the beginning of the of the episode you brought up that because of your analytical mind you feel like you've seen creativity you've broken down the process of creativity into hundreds of little decisions mm-hmm. <clears throat> and i don't think you're you're wrong but create if you if you need creatives to to do something for you don't give them the creative idea give right. them the problem and let yeah. them help the, they'll ask the questions but let them let them ask those questions so we can come to a creative decision together. Yes. When you're giving feedback, don't don't give them solutions. Give them the problem. The problem. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what you were just saying. Because uh, creatives are, are hired to solve those problems creatively. Yeah. yeah. And there is, and, and I don't want to, I mean, I think the creativity is, is making hundreds of thousands of decisions. But there's so much of it that's just a feel too right like you just try some things and then something just feels right i mean that's part of being in a band is like you know everybody's kind of working out their own thing on this new song or whatever not all of a sudden like that baseline is really cool let's stick with that baseline mm-hmm. so then you kind of go through jamming on the song a little bit and then that baseline actually informs me as the drummer mm-hmm. right and so now i can do something it's like oh well that feels really good together but what if we did this with the guitar mm-hmm. and so you're just kind of moving all of these levers as you're going through because there is that sense but it is like that feeling can inform that decision as long as it's not going against the function of the piece Mm -hmm. right if this is i mean you know what are we writing here are we writing like a happy upbeat song are we writing a breakup song are we writing you know Mm -hmm. like there's always those kinds of motivations Mm -hmm. in the beginnings of songwriting why is it necessarily any different for videos like what are we trying to make here now let's let the band go figure out how to how to make that mm-hmm. song. Let's jam. Yeah. It was a hearty discussion. Anything else we need to talk about? Um Do we need to pour one out for Louie? <laughs> no, but you've got a uh a little disclaimer at the bottom here. Mm. That there are always exceptions. It's true. Um but but I think that I mean just like I feel like I had some better examples yesterday. Um, but but just like you learn the rule of thirds to know how to compose a shot, then you get to understand why you would go against the rule of thirds because you're trying to do something deliberate. Mm-hmm. So you you always want um, so let's take let's take um, uh, the you know testimonial case study type example from earlier on. You could do scripted versus unscripted. Now, if without any other context, I think I would rather have my prospects connect with a real customer mm-hmm. because there's more authenticity. Mm-hmm. There. However, 
there may be reasons due to, like we discussed, a lack of customers mm-hmm. or a lack of a budget or mm-hmm. a tone of voice that mm-hmm. your brand has where it may actually be a better decision to do scripted use cases mm-hmm. because that gives you more latitude to maybe be funny, mm-hmm. right? You're not relying on. So, so it's, it's, or you get to make sure that you hit these three points that you you couldn't yes. get one customer to say all those three things. Exactly. So there are always exceptions, but that's also what I mean by a thousand decisions along the way mm-hmm. is, is, you know, but but again, I mean, you and 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 if if you want to, in parentheticals after that purpose statement, with the budget that we have, knowing that we have more, no customers, with the irreverent part of our brand in place, all of those kinds of things, like that's that's a constraint that that you can apply to the purpose that that is still part of the purpose. Yeah, it is. So, so, so. I mean, there's, there's, there's that fundamental like a video that speak that gets CTOs to sign up for a demo on our landing page, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, while not losing sight of our brand identity and you know, we, know, have, the fact we have that to do we this have, by July first. Yeah, the fact that it's due this date and whatever, like those all become kind of these like, but as as we've always said. You know, constraints actually breed, breed creativity. creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it forces it forces some of those decisions along the way to have fewer options. Mm-hmm. But you can still go back to that purpose and let that purpose guide you as to which of, you know, instead of maybe having five options, you've got three. Yep. All right. Well, which of these three kind of best satisfies that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's all I really wanted to say on on there being exceptions. But I mean, you know, it's true of any rule, um, and and this isn't just the rule, as as Louis put it. This is the law. Um, okay. Well, that was a hearty discussion. Yes. I'd like to thank Uncompany for the topic suggestion. Yeah, appreciate it. I'd like to thank Jacqueline for getting us organized so that we could prepare <laughs> this in advance. Um, I'd like to thank Louis for coming up with. Uh, Skyscrapers. Is Great job, around? dude. I think he's probably probably dead. Probably dead. Um, probably dead. Um, okay. Cool. Little re- <laughs> recap here. Yeah, recap. Recap. I would say form ever follows function. This is the law. Check out competitive sailing yachts because those things are awesome. And there's 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 examples all over the place too. Oh yeah. Well, and they're organic and inorganic. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, you even see it in a lot of product design, um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's not necessarily that a, um, a tea kettle is, you know, form following function, but maybe a tea kettle made a certain way is mm-hmm. form following mm-hmm. the function because of the fluid dynamics and and you know boiling water and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, then we started talking about video. Yep. And that kind of you have to lay out that that purpose, yeah. Before you can decide what what sort of video you should be having, that is that's the big message here: is don't send a, a team, a creative like an agency like us. Don't send them a hey, I need this animated video with a script and all this stuff attached. You you could and you or, could get or that, if you but, do at, le- at least say because right this this yeah, this yeah. this and this yeah. And um, then let them help. Do you have any other ideas? Yeah. Um. 
I really like the idea, and I think this is something we should explore on kind of creating that basic positioning statement, that basic purpose statement for each video. Mm -hmm. Based on what we understand of our goals, our audience, our channels, we want this video to get these people to do this thing in these places. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a blog post. I think there's a podcast episode. I think there's a guide. I think there's something we could really lean on for that. Um, we talked about a couple examples. We talked about the Lucid Thoughts channel. Um, that was originally kind of a three explainer videos ask that actually ended up becoming an educational, lightly branded pre-awareness YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about another one of our clients in their sales team viral video contest, which parts of it worked, where it maybe broke down a little bit, but then also where that process led us. Um, and then, like we just discussed, there are always exceptions to the law. Um, did you hear from our sponsor again real quick? Yeah. Yeah. The Chernobyl Tourism and Visitors Bureau. Forget about Chernobyl and welcome Chur to Cheryesbill. Visit our interactive website and plan your trip today. Then visit us in 3,000 to 20,000 years. But not now. Please don't actually come and stay here for another 3,000 to 20,000 years. We cannot stress that enough. Chernobyl. What happens in Chernobyl spreads throughout Eastern Europe and has a half-life of 180 to 320 years. The Chernobyl Tourism and Visitors Bureau. All right. Um, well, I believe that is uh, this episode of episode 40 of the Video Reformation yeah. Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, like, rate, subscribe, all those things. iTunes, Stitcher, whatever that sentence is supposed to be. Um, basically, just download, enjoy it, and let us know what topics you'd like us to discuss. Yeah, download in multiple places. Yeah, download everywhere. I know I do. Um, so, yeah. The video and the audio. I don't care which one you watch. Just download them both. That's all I care about. It's hard to watch the audio. Yeah, but it can be done. Yeah? Yeah, it's just the static thumbnail image. Oh. And then, like, the little play bar thing moves very slowly. Mm. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's it for us. Uh, we will see you next time on the Video Reformation Podcast. Bye. How's your nose? I'm... I can't Forehead. scrunch a whole lot. That hurts. Okay. Is it bruisey? I haven't looked. Mm, a little bit on the bridge of the nose. Yeah. <laughs>